Seems like it's been a while since I've been here and traveling a little bit, so it's nice to be back home to the home congregation. So brethren, it is Pentecost weekend, and uh, we are instructed when we do have opportunity to speak from God's Word, to speak in season, so I'll just start off by going to Acts chapter 2. Let's just go to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read a verse here. And there's something I want to key in on. See if I can find it here. There we go. Acts chapter 2, we'll just start in verse 1. So it says, And when they, or when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So this was they, it's speaking of all the, the disciples, those who followed Jesus. And they were all together in one place. And then there was a great miracle that happened. It said, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And I try to imagine what that would be like. I, I guess I imagine a tornado. They say when a tornado is coming, it sounds like a freight train. I've never been around a tornado. I can only imagine, but I'm sure it was, it's something that's uh, very formidable and very scary. So it t- talks about a mighty wind, a rushing mighty wind. It, it has to be talking about something like a tornado here. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. You can imagine how scared people were at this sudden occurrence. And then there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. In other words, and and Wayne Hendricks has explained this a number of times, cloven tongues signifies like a a licking or flickering. It's it's an expression of the Old English here. What's pictured here is flames of fire that came down and sat upon each of them. And it's speaking about the disciples. So you picture this rushing wind and then all of a sudden these flames of fire that came down onto them, on their heads. And it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with, one, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, it's a, it's a pretty striking image, and what I wanted to key in on is this fact of this fire, this, this energy, this source of energy and power and light. Because when I think of fire, I think of light. I don't know about you, but it's the first thing I think of. I know it's mesmerizing. We like to have some campfires out in the back, and when you have a campfire, something's really strange. You just stare at it. And it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty mesmerizing. But uh, fire is an interesting thing. And it does give off light. Now the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about light, this concept of light. There's a couple other scriptures I want to talk about referring to this energy from the Holy Spirit that's giving off this light. I think back to Genesis chapter 1. 
where God says, well, he's talking about the creation. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Now, when I first read that, I think, okay, well, God's just telling us how he created the sun and divided light from darkness. But as I started looking into this topic a bit more, I think maybe there's some more meaning behind that scripture. That God created the light, or God saw the light and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. He separated it. They're distinct, separate. Read a few other verses here. Revelation chapter 21. We're talking about the new Jerusalem. This is, you know, I went from Genesis when God said, the, talking about the creation of this earth, now all the way fast forward to the new Jerusalem after the Father is back here on this earth after the millennium. Revelation 21, verse 23, and it says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. So here we see that God talks about the fact that when he is here in this Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, that just his presence is going to give off light and there won't be any more need of this big nuclear fusion that's out in the middle of space that's generating light for us right now. That, that he is the source of light. Revelation chapter 1, verse 13, Jesus Christ is described as a powerful light. Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, interesting, they're talking about more candles, more of these flickering flames, candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head, so we know this is speaking of Jesus here, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flame of fire, and his feet like unto fire or fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. So it's interesting. Connect that to what we read about in Pentecost. You see the flames. There is this mighty, powerful wind here. Is the voice is like a sound of many waters, and I think of Niagara Falls when I think of many waters. Just the power and the sound of that water flowing over. Of course, the most beautiful lake in the world, Lake Erie, is coming over from there. If you're not from Cleveland, I guess uh, you wouldn't think that's funny. But. but you see the context here. It's a powerful, powerful being and it's associated with this, this flame and, and energy of light. And it says, And he had in his right hand seven stars, again, refer, thinking about light, stars are giving off light, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. Now it's a beautiful sunny day out today. God's blessed us with a wonderful, gorgeous day here in Cleveland. 
If you went outside and you spent a couple minutes, maybe a couple seconds, staring at the sun, and you looked away, you'd pretty much be blind for a couple seconds. It's powerful. There's energy there. And here, we're told that Jesus' countenance is like the sun, a powerful, blinding light. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. I want to read a scripture here. Matthew chapter 17. This was a very interesting story about when Jesus actually took some of the disciples in a vision. In a vision. It says, And after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brings them up into a high mountain apart. So he took them separately from the other disciples and was transfigured before them. And his face, so he gave them, those disciples, a little glimpse of his his power. Maybe a glimpse of his spiritual body, his spiritual existence and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. So it's pretty amazing here. You start to picture Jesus, this powerful, powerful being associated with, with, with light. In James chapter 1, verse 17, the Father... The Father is described as the Father of lights. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Another scripture, we could do a whole sermon on that one scripture about how God doesn't vary or change. One more scripture just to set the stage here, brethren, speaking about us. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light. Now, we just read that the Father is the Father of lights, and then we read here that we are the children of light. The children of light. And the children of the day... The daytime, where are not, we are not of the night, nor of darkness. Start to think of what are the things that you associate with night, nighttime. I'll tell you, when I, I think of nighttime, I think of uh, mischief, right? I was just down in, uh, I was traveling, I was down in Brazil, and uh, for work. And um, it was a beautiful place. I mean, where I was was very safe. But everyone was telling me, be careful, be careful, because I guess there's some areas of Brazil where you want to be very careful. There's some crime down there. I think that's with every city. So I'm not picking on Brazil. I think that's everywhere. But I just think, you know, one of the rules that we had when I was in the military when you go out is if you don't have to go out at night, don't go out at night, and if you do, make sure you're in a well-lit place, and if you do, make sure you're with other people. That's pretty much anywhere. 
Why is that? Because the night is associated with danger, darkness. And here we're told that as Christians, we are of the day, not of the night. So there's all of these scriptures where Jesus and God themselves refer to themselves as light, as, and he refers to us as light. And it's, I think there's something we can learn from this about how we can live our lives, how we should be living our lives. You know, Pentecost is associated with the Holy Spirit, with the power of God in us. Some people ask, well, how do I know if I have God's Spirit? And it says, well, you'll know them by their fruits. Well, what are some of their fruits? I think if we look at this topic of light and the different ways and meanings and and things that it can mean, I think we can start to get some insight of what type of evidence or fruit we should be portraying in our lives, how we should live our lives where we can truly be the children of the day and not aligned with the children of night or darkness. So I want to take a little bit of time and go through that. We'll start with the definition of light. And actually, it's pretty intuitive. We all know the difference of light and day. But I I think this definition is actually quite insightful. If you look at Webster's Dictionary, the simplest definition of light is very simply that which makes things visible. That which makes things visible. Now just think on that a little bit. Makes things visible. How much in the world doesn't seem to be very visible right now? How much stuff goes on in the back rooms and back offices or behind closed doors? Even when you meet some people, you wonder, what are they really thinking about me? So even that statement starts to give us some idea of what it means to be a children of light. People shouldn't look at you and wonder what you're really thinking. Right? Do we make things visible? Or do we hide and obscure things? Just something, you start to think about these definitions, and I think there's a lot of things we can glean from it about how to be better people. Another definition of light is luminous energy. Light is energy. And it illuminates. Radiant energy is another definition of light. Do we radiate energy? You know, I think of that, uh, the comic that I remember when I was, I don't think it's, it's there anymore, but I remember as a kid there was this comic of a, of a guy who walked around with a little cloud over his head all the time. Anyone know what that comic was? I'm looking at some of the people that have some gray hair. A little Abner, maybe? Was that it? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I mean, do Christians walk around with a cloud over their head all the time, always, you know, depressed and sad, and seems like uh, turmoil and grief follows them everywhere? Or do we have the sun shining on us all the time? Are we radiant? Are we radiant energy? 
Is that how people would describe us? Are we luminous energy? Do we make things visible? Just something to think on. So I think about light. Actually, I want to read one more definition. I went back to the 1828 dictionary, and I really like this definition of light because it, it ties in, again, a little bit about what we read in Acts. It said, light is that ethereal agent. Now remember, in 1828, the state of physics wasn't where it is today. I think this was before Einstein's theory of relativity and everything else, but they were starting to understand a little bit about light. It says, that ethereal agent or matter which makes objects perceptible to the sense of seeing but the particles of which are separately invisible. That's interesting. It illuminates, but it's invisible. I think about when, when we see the, the fact of how our eyeballs work. Now, you're looking at me, and I'm looking at you, and I think I'm looking at an actual image, an actual thing, but if you really think it through, and I'm going to get a little bit nerdy here, I know that's a stretch for all of you out there <laughs> to think that I can get a little bit nerdy. But uh, if you really think about what's happening, a little energy ball, a little wave of energy called a photon is coming from the, that nuclear reaction out there, and it's traveling through space. And it's reflecting off of things through the windows, and it's reflecting off of me. And I know there's a lot of things to reflect off up here. I've been told that before. I don't care. It's okay. Terry likes it. That's all that matters. But the point is, a little ball of energy called a photon is reflecting off of me, and it's, being, it's, it's going through your eye, iris of your eye, the pupil, and there's a little photo detector in the back of your eyeball called a retina, made up of billions of little molecules. And those little molecules have electricity flowing through them. And when that photon, that little piece of energy that has a certain wavelength, like a radio station that you dial in, has a certain wavelength, it hits one of those molecules. That little molecule bends a certain amount. When it bends, it changes its electrical resistance and that electrical resistance is detected in your brain, and there's billions of these, and all those different electrical resistances create a, an electrical map in your brain, and your map creates an image out of that. So what you're seeing is an image created by your mind based on the light that's hitting those photodetectors in the back of your eyeball. Isn't that amazing? It's just amazing how that randomly just came to be. I'm a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. I think that the more I've looked into science, the more I've understood that that, that is, a, is an amazing, awesome design, isn't it? It's an engineered design, how that works. But that's what light is. That's what light does. It illuminates. It illuminates. Light is energy. It's energy. It's power. 
It's this invisible matter that illuminates. Matthew chapter 28. Let's, I'll just read a couple scriptures here. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus says, Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then we read, and we were in Acts chapter 2. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, where Jesus is talking about the fact. Acts chapter 1. Speaking of this Holy Spirit. So here they were gathered together with Jesus before he had ascended. It says, And when they therefore were come together, verse 6, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So they were still in a little bit of darkness as to the truth about what Jesus was going to do. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So here Jesus says that the Spirit, the Spirit that descended down onto the disciples, the Spirit that he promises that is inside of each and every one of us if we're baptized and have had hands laid on us, is a Spirit of power just like light is power. I think of light is a very powerful thing. Leave something out in the light for a long time and what happens? It bleaches it, turns it white. Light can be converted to electricity, electrical power. Solar power of cars are coming and things like that. So, we see that the light of God, I think referring to the Holy Spirit, is a spirit of power. Another thing that light does is it provides us with warmth and comfort. What do we like to do on vacation? Maybe not everybody. For me, one of the things I love to do on vacation, you go down to the feast in Florida got to put your sunscreen on because the UV, the invisible un- light, can be harmful. But isn't that relaxing and comfortable when the sun, warm sun is shining on you? I think of that song from John Denver, Sunshine on My Shoulder, Makes Me Happy. It's true, isn't it? Isn't it warm and comfortable? You... I wake up in the morning, and if it's a dark, dreary day, it just feels cold and it chills to the bone. Like this morning I got up, it was 50 degrees out. Yet you walk out there in that 50 degrees, and you look up, and that light shines on your face, and it's just, it's just wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. Is that what happens when people meet us? Are they saying that it's just wonderful to be around so-and-so? It's warm and comfortable.
Turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Jesus says here, verse 12, again, speaking of this Holy Spirit, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Now think of the works that Jesus did. He helped a lot of people feel a lot better, didn't he? Think of the miracles, the healing, the message of truth and hope. And he says, And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. So here the Holy Spirit is described as a comforter. Provides us comfort, warmth, hope. And if we are going to be lights that that Holy Spirit projects and radiates from us, we should be providing the same to others. It says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees it not, neither knows it, but you know it, for it dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, says Jesus. I will come to you. So here we see light bringing comfort and warmth, and here Jesus talks about his Holy Spirit as a spirit of comfort. Another aspect of light I like to think about is speed. Think about that. Light travels very quickly, doesn't it? I just saw an article on my, my news app this morning of these two black holes that they just saw that are colliding together. I don't know if you see it. It's really cool. They actually show a picture of these two, like this, this huge... A cloud of stars, and there's two holes right in the middle of the cloud of stars that are completely black. And you're thinking, actually, what that is is a huge mass of stars, but the gravity is so dense that light can't even escape it. That little ball of energy, that photon, can't escape it. It's a black hole. And they're coming together. It's 40-some times the, the gravity of the sun. And what was interesting is it says that that happened, I don't know how many, like two billion years ago. (laughs) Because it takes the light that long to get here to us. But light travels at 186,300 miles per second. That's 11 million or so miles per minute. That's 670 million or 671, about, million miles per hour, or 5,878,000,000,000 miles per year. Now you think about 4 billion years, you figure how far is that. That's pretty incredible. But light is fast. So what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? 
Well, God, if God is connecting the Holy Spirit to this concept of light, well, think about what it might mean. You know, another part of Pentecost is that it points to the first fruits, the resurrection of the first fruits. In Corinthians, where it talks about, where Paul says, I share a mystery. Not all of you will sleep, but some of you will be changed in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump and will be resurrected, will be raised as spirit beings. And I think about what it's going to be like as that energy, that spiritual power, that energy, which is described as light. Wouldn't it be cool to be able to travel around the universe at that speed? Now, I don't know if spirit travels at the speed of light, but I think there's, there's, I don't think there's any, you know, final evidence that spirit is this energy like light, but my own personal view is I like to think of, I don't think there's that much of a distance between spiritual energy and some of this energy that we see in the physical universe. You know, science has never seen a magneton or anything like that, yet they can observe a magnetic field. They've never detected any particle or anything about what causes a magnetic field, yet there's a force that pulls two magnets together or causes them to repel. It's invisible, yet it's there. We can't really see a photon. It's just a little ball of energy, a little wave of energy. What we see is the effects of it. When a photon hits something, we see, we see the effects of it. We see light coming through that filament right there. There's little electrons that are invisible flowing through there. How many of you have seen an electron? No one's seen an electron. How many of you have felt an electron? I used to do electrical work in the military. Trust me, I felt 480 <laughs> volts run through my body. You can feel the evidence. Turn with me over to Hebrews real quickly. Hebrews chapter 10. Or Hebrews chapter 11, I'm sorry. Speaking of faith, there's something here that I think is very interesting about this concept of light connected to the Holy Spirit or energy. It says, now faith is a substance. Now wait a second. I thought faith was blind belief. In fact, my dad told me stories about when he was in Sunday school. I don't want to pick on the Catholic religion, but this is a true story. You're, I don't know what they call Catholic Sunday school, catechism. And uh, he'd ask these questions. I, I get the, he made me seem like he was one of those kids in class that the teacher got frustrated with sometimes. Is that true, Dad? Yeah, ask some good, good questions. That's how Jason is, by the way. But uh, he'd ask questions, and what would the priest, what would the priest say? It's a divine mystery. You have to take it on faith. Just believe it. You just have to believe. But that's not what this says, is it? This doesn't say that. It says, faith is substance. 
weight. It's tangible. It's substance. You can grab onto it. Faith is there. It's not this ethereal thing that you can't get your arms around. Faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, how do we know that electrons are real? I haven't seen an electron, neither of you. But you see the evidence of it when you touch the positive and negative of the circuit. When I was a kid one time, okay, kids, do not do this. But I remember to this day, you know, we all have those memories when we were kids of things that, for whatever reason, stick. You, you, I don't, you might be surprised why this stuck with me, but I must have been three years old. And I remember my dad saying, now don't stick the keys in the socket. He might as well have said, David, you got to try this. <laughs> so what do I do? I remember he was in the bathroom. We were at our house in Tallis Parkway. It was, a, it, was a, it was an apartment. And I, I can envision this today. My mom and dad were in the bathroom. And they couldn't see me. I'm sure of it. And I got the keys. Boom. And it instantly, pow, an explosion. And I burnt my hands. There was black all over my hands. And I remember my mom grabbing me and running my hands under the faucet. I knew electricity was real. Trust me. I saw the evidence of it. The evidence was my burnt hands, that explosion of power. What did it say that faith is? The evidence of things not seen. How do we know that God is real? How do we know the Holy Spirit is real? Well, do you see evidence? You can't see God's Holy Spirit, but can we see the evidence of it? I think if you look hard enough, you'll see it. Are people seeing the evidence of the Holy Spirit in each, of, each and every one of us? If not, maybe some time for reflection, how we're living our lives. So I think of this concept of light as energy and speed and connect that to God's Holy Spirit, and it has quite a lot of meaning as a Christian for me. Light actually is a motive force as well. I talked about light being converted to electricity or into energy. James chapter 2, verse 14. Let's turn over there. Another aspect of some of that evidence that hopefully we have in our lives. James chapter 2, verse 14. James asks a question, What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he has faith and have not works, have not evidence, right? We just read that evidence or faith is evidence of things not seen. So I connect faith and work together because work is the evidence of faith, isn't it? It says, what is a prophet, a man who says he has faith and has not works? Can faith save him? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. In other words, there's no evidence, therefore, it's not true faith. It's not real. That becomes blind belief. It says, yea, a man may say, thou has faith and I have works, 
Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I'll show you faith with the evidence of God in me in my life. In other words, God's Spirit working in James was a motive force to convert it to doing good works, doing things. Just like that photon that hits that solar panel converts it to electricity that drives the motor. That's what God's Spirit should be doing for us in our lives, motivating us to do good works. The other aspect of light that I think of, brethren, is fire. 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 We saw this concept of the fire coming down on their heads, and I don't think it was an accident. God wanted to make a point there. When I think of fire, I think of enthusiasm, passion. That movie, Man on Fire. I don't know if you ever saw that. But when you think of someone on fire, you think of energy and passion. Right? We can read in Revelation chapter 3. I won't turn there, I'll just reference it with the church of Laodicea, the notes of Laodiceans, Laodicea, Laodiceans, where he says, Look, don't be lukewarm. I'd rather you be cold or hot. Chapter, verse 19 of chapter 3 of Revelation, Revelation says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore. Another fruit or evidence of the Spirit within us, to be zealous and passionate, to be on fire. So those are some of the physical aspects of light that I think have a lot of meaning to us as Christians. Talk about some of these other aspects of light. Light actually reveals, doesn't it? It reveals. What I think is the most amazing thing, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says the light always, always overcomes darkness. In every scenario, that should give us hope. Do you realize that? If God's associating himself and his spirit with light, can you think of any example ever where there was a dark room And someone lights even the smallest flicker of light, and that light doesn't illuminate the room. Light always, always overcomes darkness. Always. It doesn't? (laughs) What did I say about the kid in the class? (laughs) Oh, brother. My dad said a black hole. Well, we'll see what happens in the future. Good point. All right, it's a good one, a black hole. So, uh, other than black holes, light always overcomes the darkness. My dad just went like this. I think the point, brethren, is is that that should give us hope. No matter what darkness we see around the world. I mean, think about the concept. If I lit a candle right now in a real bright light, it's hard to see. It's actually hard to see. But the darker the room gets, the brighter that little light gets. Isn't that a neat concept? 
the darker the room gets, the brighter the lights get. And each one of us is the children of light, brethren. We can illuminate the world with our behavior, with our lives. We can bring energy. In other words, it can be contagious. We could illuminate others and overcome the darkness. Jesus says he will do it. Light exposes beauty. It exposes beauty. Psalms chapter 90, Thou hast set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of day, or in the light of your countenance. In other words, light also exposes sin and ugliness. Isaiah chapter 9, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. Here, turn over to Isaiah chapter 9. That one's a good one to go to. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. Speaking of how the light overcomes the darkness. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation when at the first be lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. Verse 2, the people that walked in darkness, in other words, because of the, some of the Israel's sins, they were going through some tough times, and it was referred to as darkness. But the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light that they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. In other words, the darkness is referred to as a shadow of death, but these people saw a great light where the light shines and it would overcome it. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. But you, but be not ye therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness. You were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So in previous times, we were part of this darkness, this world that doesn't see the truth. But now we've been brought into God's truth, into God's church, and we're now the children of light. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship, fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them or overcome them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. 
Wherefore, he says, Awake you that sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. So we see darkness, again, connected with death, that shadow of death, and light connected with revealing, overcoming, and with life. Light can mean to enlighten or to teach, to reveal this, this radiant kind of enlightenment to revealing the truth. Psalms 119, though or through my, thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. God's word is a light, a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. How about a couple of scriptures with this concept of radiance? Radiance. Going back to this concept of this comic with the guy with the cloud over his head. What's that? Andy Cap. That was it. Brethren, we, we know that we get into trials. Jesus said he wasn't going to take, out of the, take us out of the world. He said we were going to have tribulation. He didn't create this physical body perfect. He did that on purpose. He put us in this temporary, temporary body, this tabernacle. In fact, we've been in a holy day since the days of unleavened bread. I think sometimes think you have the Holy Day, Passover, then Days of Unleavened Bread, then there's a break, and then you have Pentecost. I think people forget that we're in the Feast of Weeks. This whole time period has been one big Holy Day, or Holy, you know, a um, Holy Time, Holy Day period, Feast of Weeks. It has a start and a finish, just like our lives have a start and finish. We are going to have trials and tribulations in this life, but Jesus says, don't worry. I've overcome it. The light has overcome the darkness, and you have that power inside of you. Don't worry about it. This isn't all there is. This isn't all there is. He says we're to be joyful. Light, to me, is associated with joyfulness and happiness. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ of the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience.
And then if you continue to read there, continues to talk about the other benefits of patience. I had to print in my notes. I was reading for the Bible. So the point, brethren, is that light is associated with joyfulness, and that joy can be contagious and be radiant to others. Another concept, final concept I want to share with you, brethren, is how light, and I talked about this in the introduction about the light being able to provide safety. We have a song that we sing called The Lights Upon the Shore. I don't know if you ever heard about where that song comes from, but I guess out in, in the ocean, there's lighthouses. And the lighthouses tend to, you know, they're there for safety so that uh, ships at night, they can't see the shore. And it helps ships to realize when they're navigating not to be able to run ashore and whatever, but sometimes the lighthouses aren't there. And so all of the, the homeowners that live along the coast turn on their lights as a beacon to illuminate the shore so that the people out in the ships actually know where the shore is and it provides safety. Helps them to navigate so that they don't actually run ashore. The lights along the shore. Lights are a beacon of safety, brethren. Matthew chapter 25, turn with me over there. Are we considered confidants? Are we considered friends, good family members, places of safety for others? Or do people look at us and say, ah, I'm going to stay away from that person? I might get burned if I get too, too close to that person. Are we honest and sincere, warm, genuine? Just things to think about and ask yourself. We think about this concept of light. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Jesus is going through a par parable here. Actually, let's start over in verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep of his, on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them and on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and, and hungered and fed you, or thirsty and gave you drink? When saw we you a stranger and took you in, or naked and clothed you? Or when saw we you sick or in prison and came unto you? I don't remember that, what they're saying. 
And the king shall answer and say unto them, Truly I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. So what he's saying here, brethren, is that we are to be a place of safety for others and comfort, just like light provides safety and comfort to those that might be in danger. Feed them, visit them, be kind and generous and loving. Isaiah says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression the house of Jacob, their sins. Help people to see the truth. Save people by helping to bring them closer to God. Brethren, if we consider this concept of light and darkness, we read in Genesis, God saw the light and the light was good and he separated the light from darkness. We see here Jesus saying when he returns, he's going to take those that are the children of light and separate them from those that are the children of darkness. We want to be in the group that are the children of light, the sheep and not the goats. We want all of our loved ones. We want everybody to be in the children of light. Darkness is associated with gloominess, sadness, misery, unhappiness, evil, wickedness, mischievousness, lack of knowledge, confusion, obscurity, not being genuine or sincere. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Darkness isn't even a real thing if you think about it. It's the absence of light the absence of God. The absence of God. In other words, if you don't have God in your life, you're living in darkness. Darkness is associated with death. Light, on the other hand, brethren, cheerful, joyful, happy, radiant, truthful, illuminating, Powerful, fast, energetic, a catalyst of good things. It's warm, comfortable, and safe. And it is a source of life. A couple final scriptures to close out the message, brethren. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Turn with me to Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Romans 13, verse 11. 
and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we, 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 when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And finally, brethren, Revelation chapter 22. Let's turn over there very quickly. Revelation chapter 22. Another beautiful scripture here. Chapter 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. There shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Brethren, I hope that uh, this message and thinking about these different aspects of light helps you to think a little bit more about what it means to be a Christian and what are the expectations that God has of us, as well as the evidence that we should all see in our lives and the evidence that others should see in us that helps them to know and have faith that we are the children of the Father of lights, the children of light, brethren.